Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit trinitychurchlondon.com. And today we would look at specifically at this first um, outpouring of the Holy Spirit that, that took place some 2,000 years ago, as Daniel said, um, over the church. And this was the day when the church, in one sense, received its oomph factor received energy, received this gas to get up and get going. And th- that was the first one that happened. And in that moment, from that day on, God made it very clear that it was his deliberate and clear decision that his empowering presence will not stay in, in a place, in a temple, in a, in a tent. It will not just stay there, but it will stay and rest on his people. That was... God making very clear that I'm going to live inside of you and dwell within you. So grab your Bibles, turn with me to Acts 2. Um, We'll read a few verses. And uh, just to let you know that I'm not going to be doing an expositional study this morning. I hope you don't count me as a heretic for that. Um, But I believe that the subject at hand demands that we go through and we see this from from a wider perspective and see this as a whole. So we'll be moving around the Bible today a little bit. But uh, two things for this morning. Two things for this morning. Firstly, I want us to understand what is the magnitude of what is happening here in Acts 2. The Holy Spirit is coming and living and residing and dwelling inside of us. That was not the case always. So that's big. That's huge. So we need to understand the magnitude of what happened in Acts 2. And secondly, when that happens... When that happens, how does that change us and transform us today? When that happens with us, when the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, how does does it matter? So what? That question. So what? So, Acts 2, the first few verses. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on them, on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say that just the preacher. It doesn't say that just the church planter. It doesn't say that just the leader. But they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance to them. So what was happening here? The Holy Spirit of God, He comes and He lives inside of them. That was not the case always. I just want to take, a, take us on a journey of this Spirit of God, this Holy Spirit. Where did he, he start? Where did we read about Him for the first time? For the first time that we read about Him is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. The Spirit of God was hovering over the unformed waters of the earth. The Spirit of God was hovering over the unformed shape of the earth. That's the first place that we read. So he started with out there in space. The next that we see is that a couple of chapters in, um, the earth has been formed, Adam and Eve have been, have been created. Then the presence of God comes into the garden and it says that God used to walk with Adam and Eve in the garden. So the presence of God from space to garden. From this garden, as we, as we move on in Exodus 3, 
Now Moses is looking after the sheep of his father-in-law Jethro and he comes across this, this peculiar sight. He says, what's there? I can see that the bush is burning but not being consumed. What is this happening? Let me go and check. So he goes there, he sees there, out of that God speaks to him. Moses, you're standing on holy ground. Take off your sandals, buddy. You're standing on holy ground. So from the space to garden to the bush. And from there, God reveals himself in his presence on a mountain. And God comes in the midst of his people, Israel. And this is what he says. Israel, you shall be my treasured possession among all the people. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation in Exodus 19. So from the mountain, now the presence of God moves into a tent. And the Bible says that Moses used to move this tent. Moses used to pitch this tent as they moved through the wilderness uh, in these times. And over there God said, have the people make a tent for me and I will dwell in the tent in the midst of my people, among the people. So from space to garden to bush to mountain, now to a tent. Next up, can you believe it? The concentrated presence of God goes inside a box. And it's called the Ark of the Covenant. He lives inside a box. The Ark of the Covenant. You know, Philistines took this Ark of the Covenant and they carried it to their, um, to their temple. And over there, there were these massive big statues of the pagan idols. And there they, they stuck the Ark of the Covenant there. The next morning, they saw all these statues fallen face down because of the power and the presence of God in that place. They pick all these statues up, they put it back to its place. The next morning, they say the same thing again. Then they say, Israelites, take this away, please. We can't deal with this. Take this away, please. Israelites are on their way back. They, are, they took the Ark of the Covenant. The oxen on their way sort of stumbles. And there's this guy, Uzzah. He tries to sort of, oh, let me help the Ark of the Covenant. Let me give my hand, steady, steady it. And as soon as he touches the Ark of the Covenant, he drops dead in that moment. His heart stops beating. And that's not very difficult for us to understand. What is happening over here is there's a concentrated presence of God. I mean, if you put your finger into 400 volts, what, what would happen? Your heart might just stop beating in that moment. And that is what happened with him. The next one was the temple. So now the presence of God is dwelling in the temple. Solomon, David's, David's son, he builds a magnificent temple, temple with using, using precious stones. And he says in 1 Kings 8, he says, I have built a magnificent temple for you, God, a place for you to dwell forever. And he was nearly right. It was a magnificent temple. But he didn't, God didn't stay there forever. He was going to be there. For, it was going to be for a few hundred years. So this is the journey from space to garden to bush to a mountain to a tent into a box and now finally into the temple. And at this time, towards the end of the Old Testament, there are these prophets who come up and they start prophesying some wild and crazy things. They start saying that there is a time coming when God will not rest in these places. God will relocate from resting into these places. The Spirit of God would not uh, rest into these places, but He will rest into His people. He will rest on His people. And that did, ha did happen in the past as well. But it happened for a very specific amount of time, for very specific people, for very specific tasks in that sense. But right now, what they were talking about, He will rest on all flesh. That is what the prophets were saying. One of the prophets, Ezekiel, he said, 
This is what God says. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. One of the best things of, of Christianity, of believing in Jesus. And he doesn't leave us by ourselves on our own saying that, okay, this is life, now go and figure it out. No, he comes and he lives inside of us. And he speaks into our ears and he speaks into our hearts and says, okay, this is the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. There's another prophet uh, called Joel. And he writes this, he says, this is what God says. It shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So the prophets like Ezekiel, Joel, uh, Jeremiah and the others are saying that the spirit of God is going to relocate from a place to a people. Now John the Baptist said, so they are saying that this is what is going to happen, what is going to happen. And John the Baptist is say, saying that this is how it will happen. This is how it will happen. Speaking of Jesus, John the Baptist says in Matthew 3.11, he says, while he was baptizing people, he says, I baptize you with water, but he who is coming after me is much mightier than I. Whose sandals I'm not allowed to even touch. I'm not even worthy of carrying his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And the word baptize over there means to be immersed. Like a sponge is immersed into water. What it does is it absorbs all the water. And when you get the sponge out, it drips of water. And now, now the, uh, John the Baptist is saying that you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You will be dripping of the Holy Spirit. You will be dripping of God. For 26 years of my life, earlier I thought God, is, God has given us rules and regulations to live with and he's standing with a whip in his hand. And he's saying, come on, get on. And the moment you sway away from, that, from those rules and regulations, there's a whip coming. Far from it. Far from it. He's a loving, loving father who knows our limitations, but he loves us so much that he desires to be with us at the cost of even his son Jesus whom he gave so that we can be with him forever and as we put our trust in this Jesus he comes and he makes his dwelling among us he makes us his temple he lives inside of us in the power of the Holy Spirit so Ezekiel tells us this is going to happen John the Baptist tells us how it's going to happen and now Jesus tells us when it's going to happen really in John 7 37 there is a moment where Jesus, where Jesus says on the on the last day and the greatest day of the feast Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice this is what he says if anyone is thirsty let him come to me and drink whoever believes in me as the scripture has said streams of living water will flow from within him and by this he meant the spirit who was who, who whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Because up to this time, Jesus was not glorified yet. That's why spirit was not given to everyone yet. By Jesus being glorified, what it means is Jesus was not crucified yet. He did not rise from the dead. He did not ascend back to the Father in heaven. And that is exactly what happened. Jesus died. 
He rose again from the dead, and while he was uh, uh, while he was uh, he was alive, he he spent time with his people for forty days. He sh- he gave them proof, saying that look, I'm really alive. There were people who were doubting and saying, "Come on, okay, I can't believe it. Come on, Thomas, put your fingers within this. Look at the spear marks. I'm alive." And while he was teaching them the kingdom of God, he said also this: that wait for the Holy Spirit, wait for the promise that my Father is going to give you. And then now in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, on this day of festival, which is a harvest festival where Jews, especially men, were required by law to come from all over the world into Jerusalem to give their thanksgiving offerings. All these people come in and this group of believers who who are sitting in a room and Luke writes this, suddenly, suddenly, out of nowhere, there was a sound like a strong wind. No one knew where it was all coming from and the entire house, the whole room was filled with this sound, with that wind. And the Bible says tongues of fire appeared and rested on each one of them. I mean, can you imagine that? Sitting in in this room and seeing, seeing what, like tongues of fire resting on each head. What does that look like? I have no idea what does that look like. I mean, you turn to your person next to you and like, oh, tongues of fire. Oh, tongues of fire. And then what do you do when you see that? You're like, blow it off or flap your hands around it. What do you do? And by the time you're realizing that, you are being filled with the Holy Spirit. And as you, as you are filled, you are, what is happening is you are speaking in different languages. Languages that you have not learned. Languages that you have not thought of that I would start praising God in these languages. No. How do we know that? Because people who had come from different languages, obviously this attracted a lot of got a lot of attention so people were looking at and saying whoa what is happening over here and they were hearing these people these Galileans who were perceived to be poor and uneducated they were perceiving these I mean they were looking at these Galileans and saying I'm from I'm from Arab and I can hear this guy speaking Arabic I'm from Iran Elamites and I can hear this guy speaking Persian I'm from Mesopotamia and I can hear this guy speaking in Iraqi languages What's going on here? And what were they saying? They were proclaiming the mighty works of God. It says they were hearing the mighty works of God. Do you see the magnitude of what is happening here? All that journey from space to garden to bush to mountain to tent, temple. And now he lives inside of us. He lives inside of us. How does that happen? If you have trust if you have put your trust in Jesus, if you believe that Jesus is the one who, who, who was God, who took on human flesh, who died on the cross for our sins, who reconciled us, the very things that kept us separate from God, he took those things away and died on the cross. As we put our trust in him, the Holy Spirit comes as a gift from the Father to equip us, to empower us, to live that life that he has called us to live, to live that life of fruitfulness, of love, of patience, of kindness, of grace, of mercy. If there is one thing that jumps out of the lines of, these, of this passage, and even between the lines, is that God loves us, He dwells inside of us, and as a result of this, He gives us power to live this life that He has called us to live. He gives us power. He empowers us to live the life. I mean, we've said this already, Luke in, in Luke writes in Acts, um, Jesus was saying, wait for the Holy Spirit. Don't go yet. Don't go yet. 
And in Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 8, a superb verse to memorize, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. My dear friends, it's significant to understand that the that Pentecost is about church having the power to do what God has called us to do. It is important for us to understand that Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Teach them to obey all that I have commanded you to do. He said, you will be healing many in my name. You will be loving many in my name. You will be praying for many in my name. You will be preaching the gospel to many in my name. Jesus was saying, but disciples, come on, don't go yet. We're not, because you're not ready yet. You need something outside of yourselves to come into you. You need something, some power which is outside of yourselves. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit comes and they are empowered in him. And I believe the same is true for us as well, Trinity Church London. There are people that God wants to bless through us. There are people that God wants to heal spiritually, emotionally, physically through us. And as we step out, as we go out in faith, God wants to do that. But not in our own strength. Not because I feel great because last week has been great, so I'm going to go and do it. No. In the power of the Holy Spirit. In the power of God Himself. So very quickly, I just want to share three quick thoughts as to what happens when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it mean for us to live with, filled with the Holy Spirit today? Number one, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, He gives us power. He empowers us to live righteously. He empowers us to live righteously. Now by righteously, I don't mean that being in right relationship with God, because that is not what we can do. That is what Jesus has done already. I'm not talking about salvation. We, if we have put our faith in Christ, we have been clothed with righteousness. We, his righteousness has become our righteousness and we are right related with God. But would you, would you agree with me that God doesn't want us to stay and be stuck in the place where we were stuck a year ago? Would you agree with me that God would want us to grow in our faith in Christ? Would you agree with me that God would want us to be transformed from one degree of glory to another and, and be made more and more and more like Christ himself? That is what righteousness over here, I mean. He gives us power to live righteously. If five years ago I was struggling with a sin of the flesh, he wouldn't want me to stay in the same place for the rest of my life. No. He would want to empower me and, and say, come on, come on, I have done this, I have finished it on the cross. You can live better, follow me. Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So God is giving us his Holy Spirit and wants us to live in freedom and in righteousness. And if you're like me, there is a battle that we face every single day, isn't it? I mean, we want to live as per the Holy Spirit, but there is another party who wants us to follow him and obey him. But God says, come on, keep following me. So there's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. There's a battle between flesh and spirit. And Paul says, you, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but you are controlled by the spirit. If the spirit of God lives in you. 
And I do believe one of the things that the Holy Spirit would, wants to do in Trinity, even this weekend, is to empower us. Is to empower each one of us in a way that we would experience freedom. Experience freedom from, for saying no to some of the things that we have been saying yes to. Isaiah puts it this way. He says, this is how God guides. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Maybe there are some decisions that you are looking to God and saying, Holy Spirit, I need your guidance. I need you. I want to take these steps. How do I do that? Where do I go? The Holy Spirit will speak into your heart and mind through the wisdom of others around you as well. This is the way. Walk in it. Secondly, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, He empowers us to live supernaturally. He empowers us to live supernaturally. Now, when Jesus lived on this earth, would you believe, would you agree with me that He lived a supernatural life? Yeah? He, he raised people from the dead. He fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. He quietened the storm with just three words. Quiet, be still, and the storm was quiet. He raised people from the dead. He gave sight to the blind. The lame in His presence walked. And this is what Jesus said towards the end of his ministry. He said to his disciples that when I go, you are going to do even greater things than what I have done. He's called us to do even greater things than what he has done. How would we do that? Not in our own strength, definitely. But in the power of God that he gives us because he comes and lives inside of us. I do believe that God has called us to live supernaturally. And just to be clear that I'm not talking about some weird and strange stuff that sometimes we see on television, um, the televangelists and moving things around. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about some weight that God puts into our hearts and minds and saying, this is the kind of life that I have put into your heart. You will be the influence because of my presence at your workplaces. People will look up to you because I am living inside of you. There are going to be times when God will want to use the gift that he has placed inside of you. He would want to speak to you very clearly about your situation in a miraculous way. Or somebody else's situation he would want to speak to you about. And you might have to just stand up and in his strength speak. So God calls us to live supernaturally and miraculous ways. Not in our own strength but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thirdly and lastly... When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, He gives us power to live on mission. He gives us power and He calls us to live on mission. Remember when, they, when, when these guys in Acts 2 were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke in different tongues. Many came to know about the wonders and the mighty works of God. And then Peter stands and he gives, he gives a sermon. He speaks the gospel. He tells them about Jesus, what they have done. And these people were cut to heart. And then what happens towards the end? The Bible says 3,000 in that moment, on that day, were added to their numbers. 3,000 came to know the saving work of Jesus Christ. That is amazing. Again, in Acts 4, there was this group of uh, disciples. The, these people were praying together. They were sitting in the place. And the place there where they met shook. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is what it says. It says they continue to speak the word of God 
boldly. They continue to speak the word of God boldly. Our vision is to see the glory of God known across London and the nations. Yes, God will do it. But God will do it through us. When we step out in faith and say, God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. We want to be witnesses of what you have done in my life, what you have done in others' life, what you have done on the cross. Help us to speak. Even if our palms sweat and our heart starts pounding, but in his power, in his strength, he's called us to be witnesses to what Jesus has done on the cross for us. How he reconciles us back to the Father. In a minute, Daniel will come and lead us in praying for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But just before that happens, I just want to, I just want you to, <laughs> I just want to say that don't discount yourself for any reason. Don't discount yourself for any reason. And what kind of reasons I'm talking about? Maybe you might think that I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of this. Don't worry about that. Don't worry. Let, let, let that go. You might think that I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not adequate. And that's true. In ourselves, we are not. But Jesus makes us worthy. Jesus makes us adequate. It's not because of our own selves that we get the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's because of what Jesus has done already. And as we put our faith in him, we get this gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the Father will give the Holy Spirit to all who are adequate. No, he didn't say that. He said the Father will give the gift of the Holy Spirit to all who ask. And this morning, let's just come and ask. Let's just come and ask. Father, we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit again. Over and over and over again. Don't, don't be scared, I would say. Don't be scared. I don't know what God will do with me. I don't know what this Holy Spirit, who this Holy Spirit is and what he'll do. What if, dot, dot, dot. The Father is a good, good Father. He loves to give good gifts to his children. He would not give us anything, anything which, we, which is terrible. Anything that is terrible. No, he wouldn't do that. And eventually, thirdly and lastly, let's not doubt. Let's be open. Let's be thirsty. Let's come to, to the one who can fill us with his Holy Spirit. Daniel, would you come and lead us, please? Um, the band, may I invite you as well to come and, uh, yeah, lead us, please. Yeah, thanks, Abdullah. Um, can we get Abdullah a round of applause, can we? Just thank him for... Um, and I have no idea what's going on with our... I think we picked up some, like, police radio or something like that. Um, but we're going to respond now. And I want to ask this very simple question. And it's the question that Jesus asks us. And it's this question is, do you thirst? It's a very simple question. But it's a question of the soul. It's a question of the heart. It's what's going on inside your, yourselves. When you think of your soul right now, is there thirst in your soul? When I think back over this last year, I think I may have been some of the driest I've ever experienced in my inner life with this lockdown and all the uncertainty, everything that's gone on. I think there have been some desert-like experiences in my own soul. And Jesus asks to me and to us, do you thirst? And this is what he says. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, 
Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. It says, now this he said about the Spirit, whom those he believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. But now we know that Jesus, he had been resurrected, he had been ascended, that right now he is at the right hand of the Father, praying for us, even now, that we might receive the fullness of everything that God has for us. So we're going to respond, and I'm going to suggest there may be three different types of people in the room today. The first group will be some of you who will be Christians, and yet there's a possibility that you've never experienced something of the fullness of the Holy Spirit before. That Jesus has always felt like someone who is over there that you might appreciate and like and want to follow, but have you actually met him as an experience? There's a possibility that you may not have done had the Holy Spirit really. We're told that Jesus, he was born of the Holy Spirit. He was born of the Holy Spirit and yet at the age of around 30, there was a moment when the Holy Spirit came on him and power came upon his life. There was a moment of gap between them and we're told in Acts 2 that these Christians who had been following Jesus for some time, they knew Jesus, they loved him, they were following him and yet Jesus says, wait here because I want to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're told in Acts 8, another moment, these, this new church plant that had started in Samaria. And there was word got out that they hadn't yet been baptised in the Holy Spirit, received the Holy Spirit. We read these in Acts 8. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit, if he had not yet fallen on any of them. But they had only been baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. We're told later in Acts 19 that there was a small group of disciples studying the Bible in Ephesus. But they had not yet heard of the Holy Spirit. So when Paul came, he asked them, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And he prays for them. And they experienced God in a fresh way. That might be some of you who say, actually, I want to meet with God. Some of you might be Christians who say, yeah, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I've met God. I know him. There's an invitation to us, Ephesians 5 says, to be filled with the Holy Spirit again and again and again. We think of it like waves of the ocean onto the shoreline. But actually there are experiences of God and God wants to take us deeper into his presence. We may have gone so far with God, but if there's something in your soul that says, yes, but I still thirst for him. He says, look to me, come into the deeps with me. Some of you may not be Christians, I don't know. You might be here on the invitation of a friend. You might be thinking, actually, I'm not sure about this Christian stuff. I don't know what this stuff that Abdullah's been talking about. There's an invitation to you not just to simply give a mental assent to certain doctrines, but to meet your Creator, that He might come from heaven and fill your very being. You might walk away from this place like a living, walking temple. Well, you don't have to go somewhere now to meet with God, but God lives in your soul. That's what it is to be a Christian. All you do is very simply, you give your sin to Jesus, and he gives you his Holy Spirit. You walk away changed. So the question that we have in front of us is, do you thirst? Do you long for something of God? Is there something that is unsatisfied with the things of this world? Is there something in your soul, you know, I've tasted some of this world, I've even looked to what the world has to offer and I know this is not going to satisfy my soul. 
go to Jesus. So what we're going to do in a moment is I'm going to invite you to stand in just a moment. The band are going to play and lead us in a song. We're going to use this as a prayer for our own selves. And I'm going to invite you in just a moment to respond somehow physically. Oftentimes we're told people lay hands on each other. We can't do that at the moment. Unless it's one meter walls and things. But we can respond. It's faith that we come to God with. You might want to kneel on the ground. You might want to lift your hands in the air. Just to open up your hands to the symbolic way of saying to the Lord, I want you. I want your presence. Sometimes there are people speaking tongues in other heavenly languages. All it is, is very simply, when God fills us up, sometimes there is an overflow and our mother tongue is not adequate to express the kind of glory that we are seeing in Jesus. And the overflow becomes a heavenly type of language. Sometimes we give the gift of prophecy. Sometimes people shake. Sometimes people want to be on the floor. These things can happen. When you have an emotional experience, you know sometimes your physical body experiences that. But we're not seeking these things. We're seeking God himself. So can I invite you to stand?